Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Taking the Stand, a Freedom Advocacy Network uh, podcast production, where we try to uh, get you behind the, you know, the story behind the story of uh, some of the legal stuff, some of the law work um, that we do that might be going on in the country, um, in an attempt to really remind South Africans uh, that the law should be about their freedom, uh, and where it isn't. Um, that should change, and uh, I'm very, very excited about the development fan is showing, um, building its capacity slowly but surely, getting to a point where we can really uh, reach out to people and start making a difference. And it's about that that we actually want to chat a bit today. And I'm joined, of course, uh, as ever, by Ben uh, Kun, the, the brains of the outfit. I mean, if, 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 if he's the brains, I'm not quite sure what I am. I'm, I'm definitely not the looks, but I can try my best. Uh, ben, thank you for, for joining me and bringing some actual substance to today's discussion. How's it, everyone? How's it, everyone at home? Excellent. All right. So today, Ben and I are actually going to tackle a topic uh, um, a bit differently from what we usually do. We're going to look at legal strategy a bit, in the sense that uh, we're not necessarily going to look at specific actions. We'll get back to those next week. We've got a few beautiful ones rolling in the background. But today we're going to talk about what we like to call issue narrative litigation. Now, uh, perhaps a brief, brief, brief introduction on, on that point. It's not a highly technical term. It's, it's something we made up to internally describe what we do. The Fan Justice Project has two main purposes, two main project uh, drivers of activity. On the one side, we've got our watchdog work. And on the other side, we've got our issue narrative work. And the issue narrative work is a bit of a longer term investment, a bit of a slower thing but something that I'm quite excited to get started. Um, and I think we're within a few days of actually getting this show on the road. What is an issue narrative case? Well, it is where we learn from our American colleagues and we start understanding that if you can go beyond the principle at stake and you can show um, a real human being being affected by the principle at stake. You can follow what Anthea Jeffrey over at the IRR calls the PhD factor, personalize, humanize, dramatize. If you can harness all these things, um, then you get court cases like that of David Akase, where an individual citizen became a symbol for a principle of vital importance. And today, we're going to delve a bit into that. Ben, if I say to you, issue narrative vehicle case, you know, tell a story, make it real, what does your mind go to immediately? So I think the most salient uh, sort of case that stands out for me uh, with regards to issue narrative is the Roe Ro v. Wade case from, from um, America. Um, and that's a very famous case, very controversial. Um, it's the uh, abortion case. So basically, what happened is in 1969, Paula McCorvey fell pregnant and she wanted an abortion in the state of Texas. And the only chance you could get 
uh, an abortion in the state of Texas was if um, you were raped or if it was incest. So she ended up not being able to argue for it was rape, and she incidentally had the baby. But so she actually no longer had an interest in the case, really, because she'd already had her child. But because it was such a sort of um, vital freedom for, for women to choose whether they wanted to have an abortion or not, it was such a, it, there was so much public interest and also medical interest from doctors. And they, and this case ended up being brought to the, con, uh, the US Supreme Court in 1973, years later, after she'd already had her, her, her baby. And basically, um, it's actually, uh, uh, upon doing a bit of uh, research for this case, I found out that the worst joke in legal history came from it, where the attorney for the state said um, um, in his opening arguments, oh, it's, it's an old joke, but when uh, a man is arguing against two beautiful women like this, uh, it's always he who has the last word. And... Um, that joke did not go down well in, in, in the court. Yes, um, so understandably yeah. so. Um, but basically, the judge in the matter looked into um, why, would, why would the state have an interest in this case? Why, why, why is it their interest to not allow women to have the freedom to choose? And there was two points. Uh, the one is the woman's safety, and the other is... Um, the viability of the fetus. Is the fetus a person or not? Uh, and he broke it down into trimesters. So he said in the first trimester, there's actually no um, danger to the woman. Um, so why, why there's no interest in the, for, for the state to get involved here. It's, it should be the woman's right to choose. The fetus is also not viable in the first trimester. So it's not, the, the state has no interest to get involved. And it's actually a privacy matter and a freedom matter and that the, the woman shouldn't be allowed to choose whether or mm. she wants to, to, to go um, through it or not. I must say, I must say, I, I think Roe v. Wade is one of the worst judgments ever written, ever mm. written. It is up there with Obergefell as just constitutional, utter, utter constitutional malpractice. Because I, uh, I, I, I think the, 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 the law is bad. I think Justice Blackman just invented uh, constitutional theory out of thin air. But the thing I actually want to get back to, I don't want to get into an abortion debate, uh, which can keep us busy for a very, very long time and has good liberal arguments to be against. Um, I, I want to get back to the, to the nature of an issue narrative case, because as you lay it out there, it's clear that legal principles, these exact things that you have now uh, alluded to and that the court used to determine the law for decades beyond that um, was an individual's life experience, lived experience, if you wish. It wasn't just cold clinical law. And we see that, I think, also in cases like David Rakase, more locally, is it's a good opportunity to show the court and to show the public that these aren't just abstractions of theory. Real lives, real issues are at stake. Yes, 100%. Um, and if we are able to do that at FAN and to see someone whose individual uh, interests, rights, freedoms have been affected, and we can make those arguments and turn them into good law that will enhance the freedom of 
the society as a whole. That is really our goal with an interest narrative approach to, to legal work, rather than just watchdog approach where we see, oh, no, the government has done something wrong here. We need to write them a letter, perhaps threaten with litigation. This is a completely different um, avenue to take and um, something that, that can, I think can really be beneficial to, to us and to the society as a whole. And, and what's really exciting for me about this is uh, it's, it's not really being done. Um, in South Africa uh, currently, not deliberately. You get these cases of Mr. Akhase or perhaps the Obo Barnard case, um, uh, and, and they become, uh, to law students at least like you and me, they, they, they become these sort of uh, cases that you remember because they, they affect fundamental aspects of human nature. And, and I remember from, from, from my uh, LLB studies is that um, when you are intrigued, when you are invested in the factual, uh, you know, real-life circumstances of the applicant or the defendant or the plaintiff or, or, or the accused, the, the law comes alive. The law becomes something different. That's why I always got, that's why I never liked private law because I feel it's just rules that you have to adhere to or not. But when you look at actual liberties being at stake, and of course, private law goes into that. But if, 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 if there's a story to tell, um, it makes a difference. And uh, perhaps a last question to you. Um, and this might be a bit of a curveball, but I, I think, I think uh, you'll be more than fine on that, is people often think that the law, and especially the courts and judges, are some sort of calculator you put in numbers, you put in, you know, multiplication or minus plus minus or uh, squaring or cubing, or whatever you want to do, and you hit a button and you get a result that it's this clinical, purely intellectual idea. Do you think that there is actually some chance that FAN might start something great here where we no longer treat the law as a pure abstraction, nor the courts as something disconnected from broader, you know, societal thinking. And we actually realize that on the other side of this bench, there's a human being that might, if we convince them to care about the individual, our client, might think, I can do justice here by changing the law? Or am I being very idealistic and naive here? Um, there, there was a lot there, but uh, it's, it's very optimistic, but it's not impossible. And we've seen that in the past with, um, with the law. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, value judgments that go into making these kind of decisions. And that is done th um, through good argumentation and um, good presentation. And like you said, personalize, humanize, dramatize. And, and, and that is really what we, we are going to do um, in, in trying to push forward our um, ideals and, and our, what we think. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, genuinely, like I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for this project to get started. And I can't wait to keep, uh, keep our audience updated and our followers and our supporters updated about the progress, about finding these individuals that can become banner carriers for liberty, for real freedom, for real progress. 
Uh, because because I, I, a year ago, I spoke on the phone to David Rakhase. It was the day of, of him hearing essentially that he, um, that he would be victorious. Um, and I gave him a call. And, and it, it, it left such, such a mark on me uh, to speak to this man who had become, for so many, at least in, in, in you know, people invested in this, something of a symbol, uh, a banner carrier for people to rally around. And, and I, I remember asking him, so, uh, Mr. Akase, how, how does it feel? Uh, and he says he has he, he's never felt stronger. And I think when we look at what FAN is trying to do, it's about empowering, it's about building, and it's about connecting. So I really hope that... Uh, these issue narrative cases, as we hunt for them, as we find them, as we share them with you, our audience, they can uh, help us echo the words of Mr. David Rakhase, where we say, we'll, we've never felt stronger. I think that's all we've got time for. I got a bit emotional and poetical there at the end, but us lawyers do have hearts. Um, well, the research is, is, is still ongoing, or as we might say, the jury is out. But on that note, Ben, thank you very much for this brief discussion about this very, very exciting development where we can make sure that the law is about your freedom. And as ever, well, you know the drill. Your freedom is worth fighting for. Thank you very much and see you next week. Cheers.